we are gonna talk about over the next several weeks, uh, a series called Vision. And really what the message in the series is about is what our church is about. So it's, it, I know this sounds weird, it sounds church-centric, so it sounds like we're talking about us, but we're really talking about you. And we're really talking about the, what I call the, the body of Christ and what we're called to do on this earth. And we're gonna get real clear today. Like vision's gonna be real clear. You're gonna know exactly what this church is about, but more importantly, you're gonna know exactly what Jesus Christ is about. Um, because I don't know about you, we all come from different churches and pasts and pastors that have said things that make no sense and are not biblical and uh, put a burden on us. They can put a yoke, the Bible talks about a yoke, a belief on us that is just not um, accurate and it's not um, helpful, it's unkind. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we serve a God who is kind and helpful and good. And for us, we want to take a step in learning who that is. And so uh, I'm excited today uh, to be sharing this this time with you. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review. And you gotta be in the house of God. You gotta come in person. And uh, we hope to, to see you soon. Um, but I, I, I thought about this question that someone asked me one time. They said, why would you ever do a sermon series on the vision of the church? And I thought about that. I thought, that's a good question, you know? Like, why should I do that? So I went to the Bible, because I'm a Bible teacher. And Proverbs 29 says this. It says, I thought it was good. It said, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Isn't that interesting? That we can actually stumble if we don't recognize what God is doing. And then he says, but when they attend to what he reveals, so when they know what he's doing, then they're blessed. I don't know about you. This is, I think, one out of every one person wants to be blessed. You didn't walk in here going like, God, could you bless me less? Got enough. I'm good. I got enough blessing. No one said that. I think most of us woke up today and said, God, give me some, what? Come on, give me some blessing. And if we want to be blessed, we got to know what God's doing. And so, so if, if, if we know what God is doing, then I think we can really unpack our blessing and our potential. And, and really that's, that's my goal today. My goal is, is to get our, our church on track and on course for what, what I think God is doing. Not what I'm doing, not what Rise Church is doing. I think what God is doing in and through Rise Church and our spiritual family. And that's my hope today. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you today. God, I thank you that right now you are doing something special, period. This is your church. There is a vision here. It's clear that you are excited and I'm just as excited to share it with our church. I pray, Father, that we would do everything we can to attend to it, to recognize it, and lean into it with all we are. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I, um, I have a, a confession to make, and if you've been around any longer than five minutes, you'll recognize pretty quickly that um, I have a competitive nature about me. Um, it's not my brightest quality. To be quite honest with you, it's a lot of things I, still, I deal with, um, you know, with, with relational problems inside of my counseling issues. It's all of that. It's, does anybody relate to me that you just take competitive to the, to the nth degree? Anybody else that I can just join my team of, okay, one, we got two, we got three. Anybody else willing to just tell the truth in church? Anybody? Anybody else? Four, five. Okay, good. And so for those of you who didn't raise your hand, but you know who you are, God knows who you are. <laughs> I'm competitive. I, I'm, I, I admit it. And, and sometimes, isn't it, isn't it true, as competitive people, we can lose sight, isn't it true, come on, of the big picture. Like we can lose the, 
we can lose the forest for the tree. Because in the moment, it makes total sense that we should win at all costs. Then we win at all costs, and it doesn't make much sense, right? Isn't that true? Um, I'll give you an example. Recently, um, this last season of, uh, of, my, may, of, of uh, Little League Baseball for my kids has been challenging for me. Now, I don't know if you know, has anybody been to a Little League Baseball? Is anybody in a Little League Baseball league right now other than me? We got one, two, three, four. Okay. And then have you ever been to one? If you have, raise your head. Y'all know. So I don't know if you've been around. I'm not talking about the YMCA. Okay. That's fun, loving. God is there. Everything is fine. <laughs> I'm talking about the real city leagues where people are trying to get to the major league baseball teams with their, through their kids, right? Right? And, and so I don't fit in the YMCA. I really fit in the overcompetitive leagues where we're trying to figure out who is going to be the next, you know, whatever favorite baseball player you have. You know, I, I, I want to do that. And so um, I have three kids in three leagues right now. Pray for me because it's crazy. Um, I got a kid in T-ball, I got a kid in what they call minor league or double A, and, uh, and then I have a kid in major league. And, and what's good about my major league player is that he is in a league where the coach does um, regularly yell and get on the kids. And I think that's good. I, in fact, I told my coach, I said, hey, I want to make sure we're clear about something. He goes, yes, sir. I said, you better yell at my son. And he was like, well, oh, I've never heard, you know, because normally parents are like, hey, be nice to my kid and don't yell at him. Like, no, you better stink and yell at him so I don't yell at him. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so I got you. You know, I'm like, all right. So, and, and, and that's so, I feel like Major League has got it. T-ball, there's really no keeping score. Everybody bats. It's just one giant run around and have a good old time. And then they're waiting to, they're doing it so that they can eat the snack at the end, right? That's their goal. But in, the, in these double-A minor league areas, it's this conglomeration of both where I don't believe when, you're not cl- when I'm not clear, right, on what's going on and what's happening and if my coach really cares and if the kids don't really care and I don't know what the umpire is doing, then I'm, I'm not in a good place already walking into this game. The other day I was at a game. It was the first game of the league and of the season. And every time I walk into a new season, I try to feel it out. I'm one of the guys who tries to find the line, right? I try to find the limit. I'm not saying this, this is not a prescription of like how to be a father in little league. Okay. So like, don't judge me. So I'm just being revealing and having a moment. And so I walk up and I'm like next to the fence and I get right next to the fence, right next to where the, the umpire is, because I have to tell the umpire exactly how I feel the game is going. And so I'm right next to the umpire and my son comes up and he's walking up and he's doing something. And I'm like, son, come here you know, come here, like, no, come here, you know, so he's coming here, and I'm like, what are we going to do today, like, I'm real clear about it, like, what are we going to do today, because I'm like, son, I don't care if you strike out, I don't care if you win, that's not the point, but you can control whether or not you go up, and kind of, and he walked up, and swung the ball, and looked around, and at the crowd, like, we were going to cheer him on, for just getting in the batter's box. So he comes up and he swings and somebody in the crowd, now my wife was not there yet, so there was no filter on me. Somebody in the crowd said, good job. I said, that ain't a good job, swing harder. I'm not saying I'm doing the right thing. I'm just telling you how it is, okay? This is not biblical or godly at all. So I'm like, swing harder. Don't listen to that mom who celebrates when they strike out and you just did a good job and let's give participatory trophies. That's not your mom. I'm your dad. Swing harder. 
So we had a moment with my son. My son does good. He hits the ball. It was great. It was fantastic. I was, you know, it was not, it was not a big deal. But as the game goes on, I realized the umpire's not watching the same pitcher that I'm watching because he keeps giving this guy strikes on the other team that were not strikes because they were below. I'm still mad about it. I'm, I'm working through it through my counselor. It's okay. And so he keeps going. And so he calls strike. And I was like, ball, that's a ball, ball. And the umpire looked back at me and I was like, yeah, it was me, you know? And I'm pretty sure there was like some people there that knew I was a pastor, you know? And they're like, aren't you a pastor? I'm like, I'm a dad today, you know? And so another strike goes on and he's like, strike. I'm like, ball, that's a ball. What are you? What are you looking at, Blue? And he's like, he turns around and he goes, one more. He said, one more. And I said, I, I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm just, I was, it's a question. It's just a question. You know, it's a question. So then my, my, my coach, my coach looks at me and goes, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. I know it's cool. Like, I know it's cool. You know, and so he, he guys, he goes, he strikes them out. I was like, I don't understand how that happens. Guy turns around and goes, you need to go sit in your car now. So the first game, <laughs> the first game. I get asked to sit in my car, and um, you know, as I'm walking away, I realize that was not my brightest. That's not my brightest moment. It's not my most Christian, godly thing. And you know, I, I worked through it. You know, and he was wrong. I was right. That's not the point. That's not the point. I'm okay. But I realized, like, I could very easily lose sight of the main thing because what's the main thing? It's a little league baseball game. It don't mean nothing. And I should have been cooler. And I have been cooler because I have not been asked to go sit in my car for the rest of the season. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, it was hard for us competitive people, y'all know. But I read something um, the other day. It was, a, it was an interesting quote. It was by D.L. Moody. He said this. He said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. And I, I was thinking about this as a church, like as a church. You know what churches are really good at? Winning at things that don't matter. Like really good at that. The Pharisees started it when Jesus was around. They were really good at winning at things that don't matter. They just don't, they just don't matter. And, 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 and we can do that in the local church. And so for us, winning can't be the, the win, if that makes sense. Being right can't be the win. We have to be winning at the right thing for us to win. And churches right or wrong, get this wrong all the time. Because what happens is a pastor will start a church or take over a church. There will be a vision there. And then people come in, y'all, <laughs> you, it's okay. You will come in and you will have a sense of what the church should be. From where you come from, from what it looked like, from what you read, from a, an offense you had, from a good experience you had. You'll come in and you'll be like, this is what the church should be like. And you'll tell the pastor. And what's funny is pastors are really trying to be kind to people. And we don't want you to leave. So what we'll do is we'll go, oh, okay. Okay. Let's do that. And before you know it, what was the clear Vision at the beginning is now a conglomeration of multiple visions of what the church should be and could be and would be. And now you got all these weird amalgams of all these issues of people. And it's funny, what honestly it becomes is a church made of a bunch of um, baggage and offended people who are doing things to prove somebody wrong. Yeah. And anytime you start with that foundation, it's, it's cracked, it's flawed at its core. 
And so what, what, what we have to do is be clear about what is God's vision for his people. I'm going to give you some scripture here in Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, I'm going to give you a clear vision of what God's trying to do inside of every local church because he's trying to do it inside of every local person. Here's how God grows people. This is God's response to Moses when Pharaoh doesn't comply to what God has told him to do. So Moses goes and talks to Pharaoh. Pharaoh comes back and says, God, he didn't, he didn't, this is what his response And so God says, God says, okay, well, this is what we're doing. He says, therefore, in verse 6, he says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. So I'm, I'm going to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Then I'm going to and then I'm going to free you from bringing slaves to them, which is confusing because it sounds like the same thing he just said, but it's not. And then he says, I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Like, that's good, God. I mean, like, this is powerful. God's given his plan, his, his literal plan of growing you and me. And he says, and then finally, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Four promises. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to free you from bringing a slave to them. I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm, and I'm going to take you as my own people. The Jewish people still, still to this day, celebrate this in the Passover with, by drinking cups of wine. And they, and they drink. It's like, come on, y'all. Like, that sounds like my celebration. All right, so like four, they drink. They don't drink one cup. They drink four cups of wine to symbolize the four promises that God made to the Egyptian people, or to the, to the Israelites' people over the, when, when the Egyptians were... We're persecuting them, and this is what they are. The first cup is the cup of, of what he calls sanctification. The second cup was the cup of deliverance. The third cup was the cup of redemption. And the fourth cup was the cup of praise. So Paul even speaks about this in the four steps of how God grows people. He says it in Ephesians chapter 17. He says, I keep asking that God, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a a." a a Paul writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. He's writing it to you and to me. And he's saying that the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, here it is, ready, ready. Here's our first step, that you know him better. Y'all got to see it, right? I'm connecting Old Testament, New Testament. This is God's plan. He says in verse 18, that I pray that you, that the, the, um, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Step two, the cup of deliverance. In order that you may have the, and know the hope that which is called within you, which is the cup of redemption. And he says, and then the riches of the glorious, this is good, inheritance in his, in his holy people. That's the cup of praise. So what's God's method of growing people? You want to know? This is how we use it in our language is lost people get saved. And then saved people get freed. And then Free people get delivered and developed, and then developed people, guess what? Guess what happens? Developed people get mobilized. Or, or as we like to call it here at Rise, because you probably saw this before, and you're like, why do they have those four steps? That's kind of weird. Where does that come from? The Bible. Our four steps, which is God's four steps for growing people, is to know God. Everybody say, know God. Then to find family. Ever say find family? Yep, that's step two. Then it's to de develop purpose. Come on, say develop purpose. develop purpose. And then the fourth one is to, is to make a difference. Ever say make a difference? Yeah, those are the four steps that God grows people through. It's, he did it in the Old Testament. He did it all throughout. the. And that's only one place in the Old Testament. I can show you four other spots clearly defined in the Bible of how he grows people. 
And then that rolls itself into the New Testament, which Paul knew and identified and recognized. He said, my number one prayer is that you know God's method for growing people. <laughs> he said, because if you know that, if you see the roadmap, you follow it to your purpose. You follow it to where you're actually winning, come on, yeah. at the right thing. And so the question you have to ask yourself, if, if that's true, then we need to know each step. So today, in the in time I have left, I'm going to walk you through our first step here at, at Rise. And, and, and some of it's going to be a little interesting because you're, never, you're not going to hear. This is a unique church sermon series because you're going to be like, wow, that's why they do the thing that they do. And, and hopefully it enlightens you a little bit to, to, to our method um, for the first step. Step number one, know God. We want you to know God. Here's what I know about everybody in here. You want to know what I know about you? I don't even know you very well. Let's just say that. Like, I don't know you. I don't, maybe I've met some of you and maybe I haven't met any of you. But here's what I know about you is that you weren't born saved. I know that about you. You're like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've, no, I've loved Jesus since I was born. That's fine. Your parents probably didn't think that. <laughs> How many parents I got in here? Come on. You know, I got a parent? Okay. That's, you know, it's funny. My kid, when he came out, I'm like, you are, you are, there was a point where I was like, you are not mine, right? <laughs> You are from, you are a hellion. You are not mine. Like there is something wrong with you. I even tell people now, I'm like, I cannot wait till my kids get saved. That child needs Jesus. Like he needs Jesus. The truth of the matter is, is none of us were born saved. Why? Because you and I have to, God says, the Bible shows us we have to make a conscious decision to move from dark to light, from death to life. Like there is a moment where you and I make a decision and you have to recognize and have a conscious moment with God saying, it's not between you and your parents. It's not between you and your pastor. It's not between you and your church. It's between you and God where you said, God, I'm moving from where I live for me, and now I live for you. Yeah. So you had to make that decision. And that's a really important decision for all of us to make. And the funny thing about that is that if that's a really, really important decision, because you know what's probably the problematic issue with most churches is that they a lot of them focus on three, four, two, three, and four, but you can't do two, three, and four until you do one. How do you find freedom, true freedom? If you don't know the God of true freedom, like how do you, how do you truly develop yourself? If you don't know the God who created you and made you the way that you were, how do you truly make a difference? If you don't know the God who specializes in difference making, it starts with one. And, and I'm a church historian. Uh, I like, uh, I, I, I like to study churches and I happen to be a, a church planting coach. I, I help other churches all around the country and, and I've been blessed to just be, be, a, be a benefit and hopefully a blessing to, and, and as our church grows and helps other churches and we help churches all the time and study this. And here's the, the truth is, you know, with all the studies the, today, okay, like 2022 in October in America, the most effective way for people to know God, you know what it is? To move from death to life. To, 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 to actually have a relationship with God, to get people to have a relationship with God. you know what it is? It's, it's the local church. It's the Sunday morning experience. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen at a coffee shop or at a youth camp or at a revival service or in uh, your room by yourself with a, uh, you have a relationship with God. I'm not saying it can't happen that way. I'm just saying statistically, if you're just looking at it from a statistics standpoint, the single greatest way for somebody to move into a relationship with God is the weekend service on, as, at the local church. That, that's true. That's just a truth. That's just a, a truth. That's an is. 
If that's true, I, I want to ask you, okay, this is me teaching right now, why we do what we do. If that's true, then the weekend service needs to be incredibly intentional, right? I want you to think about that because a lot of us, we come in with our own preconceived notions of what the church should be. And some of us come in from no church background and you're learning this thing. Some of us come in from like the hyper church background where you had a religious relationship with your church and the expression of that church was good during that season of your life and the season of the church. So it was great in the 80s. But I don't know if you've checked recently. It's not the 80s. But you loved it and what you remember about it is so accurate in your mind, which by the way is all you remember is the rose, right? You remember the good times. But you don't remember the bad times. And so... If the weekend service is important, we got to be careful. We don't bring in our own preference of what the weekend service should be. The weekend service should be about vision. It should be about the local church being the hope of the world because that's what Jesus established before he left this earth. So I, I defend the local church not because I work at it. I defend the local church because it is a big deal. As a Christian, it's a big deal. I loved the church and served the church and honored the church before I was a pastor because it's a big deal to God. So if that's true, then we have to be incredibly intentional about creating a space. And we use this terminology. This is really good. I want you all to start add this to your vocabulary. This is our family. We're having a family meeting today. We're talking about what does our family do and how do we do things? This is how we do things. This is our language. Y'all ready? This is what we talk about. When we talk about the weekend service, we talk about creating life-giving experiences. And some of y'all are like, that's what you, 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 you walk in. I hear people all the time. They say, like, I just walked in, and I just felt something. Like, I just, some of y'all know because y'all said this to me. You're like, I can't even explain it, Pastor. I just felt like something in this, you know what you felt? Life. You felt life that was being given back to you. And some of us are used to going to a church where life was taking away from you. You're like everything from the really uncomfortable pews, the god-awful music and the people that should not be on the platform singing, to the pastor that told you about hell and no heaven, to the unrelenting legalism from every person that talked to you about what you wear and talk and act and see and feel and live. Don't talk to me about how you're like, oh yeah, that don't, it doesn't feel like life-giving. You want to know why? Because it wasn't. And I look at the Bible and Jesus was really clear. No, 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 no. I came for those who are sick. So guess what our church is on the weekend for those who are sick? You're going to have to get settled with that. This is the number one thing that people argue about. This is what people leave churches. If I get mad, the pastor didn't talk. He only used two scriptures and not five. Five's my limit. That's the basic. He used the message version that one time. I'm King Jimmy only. 
his wife. Oh my gosh, did you see what she was wearing? I'm just giving it to you straight, y'all. Can can we be real? His kids were acting a fool on the front row. He ain't got his family in order. I'm just telling y'all right now, if you're looking for a perfect pastor with a perfect church, keep on going. So we come in, and we have this feeling of the the weekend. No, no, no. The weekend should be about life-giving. Life-giving. Everybody say life-giving. It's life-giving. We got to come in here, and we got to do it that way. So here's what that means. Then you need to know what life-giving is. Here's what we do on the weekend. Y'all ready? I'm going to give you uh, five elements. This is just five elements to a life-giving church experience, life-giving church experience. This is what we want to do. This is who we want to be. This is so good. You should be taking notes. You be like, man, this is what my church is all about. This is what my church is all about. This is, I'm, I'm about this family. This is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. Number one, number one, the church should be authentic. For you to be life-giving, you got to be real. Everybody say real. Yeah, like keep it 100, right? Like it just is what it is. Like you need to know. That when I come in here and I preach, I tell people all the time, most of my messages, if not all of my messages, are what God is dealing with me personally. So if I talk to you about being generous, it's not because I'm trying to guilt you into being generous. It's because I've recognized the non-generous nature of my spirit that needs to be encouraged to be generous. If I'm talking about marriage, you know what's happening to my marriage currently? What I'm preaching about. You want to know why? Because that's what God's dealing with me. So when I say... Authentic, I mean, I think the number one thing, Pastor Jason is, our executive pastor is on the front row. Is it not true? The number one thing that we get told here at this church of, man, why do you like this church? What do you feel like? It's just real. It's just like, man, you don't, you don't act like anything up there. People don't act like they got it all figured out. I see people walk in, they're messed up. It's all good. Like, it's just all good. Like, I realize that you're not good and I'm not good, which means that means we're okay because we're with the person that is good and that's God. So I'm okay with that. And I gotta be, I gotta be authentic. I like, I like what Romans chapter 12, this is Paul talking to the Romans. He's saying, hey, don't be fake. Oh, don't be fake with your love with others. Like actually love them. And some churches I come from, it's like we we knew that God loved people, but we didn't express that love to anybody. And he said, No, no, you gotta, you gotta come in here. Or if you feel comfortable to be you. We have this statement at our church we say, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. So you need to be know you're, you're in a church in a place where you can, you can come in. You can bring a friend who doesn't know God. A friend that maybe he's got it all, he's messed up and he's like, dude, this guy. I don't know about you, like sometimes I, I get like, I'll meet people and I'm like, man, you know what he really needs is God. And then I'm like thankful we have a church that I can bring him to a place where he, he won't get judged that he don't know God. You know what I'm saying? Um, and in order for them to do that, they got to be able to come in. People got to be coming and being okay with being with bleeding. I went, to the, uh, I went to the ER recently, well, a few months ago, maybe several months ago. I had some problems with my chest, my heart, and I'm fine. I work out. So um, I, I'm fine. <laughs> But I felt like my chest was, like, hurting, you know? Like, I don't know, I had some pain, some chain, pain in my chest. And I'm a little, like, um, uh, what's the word? Dramatic? Yeah, I'm a little dramatic. And so I told my wife, I said, I think I'm, you know, I had some pain in my chest. So I told her, I didn't tell her I had pain in my chest. I said, I think I'm dying. I think I'm dying. And so uh, we know some people in our church who 
our friends and their doctors, and so I, I text them, hey, I think I'm dying. <laughs> they know I'm dramatic. So, you know, he said, hey, we'll just go to the ER, you know, go to the, go to our emergency room, we should check it out. So I went in there, and I walk in, and, and the doctor that was there, you know, he asked me, he goes, what's wrong? And I said, well, I think my chest is hurting. And, and I, he went through all these procedures and started putting, here's the funny thing, I didn't walk in there and go like, hey, I'm here, I'm good though. I just want to see what was going on. I hang out. And I thought, I heard it was cool. I just want to see you use that machine. Go ahead and strap it on. Put on. No, I told him something was wrong. And here's the cool thing. When I told him something was wrong, he was able to diagnose and work out the ways to make sure that I was okay. And to help me. And if we're not a church where people can come in and go like, something's wrong. Then they're going to hide it. And then they're not going to get better because nothing good grows in the dark. So we want to be that place where, where, where we want to create experiences where people are vulnerable and real. There's wins, there's losses, there's ups, there's downs. I preach from the valley, not the mountaintop. So I try to model that for you guys and tell you all my issues. I just talked to you about why, how ridiculous I am at Little League. I want to be, let's be real. Everybody say real. All right, church place with authentic. Number two, church should be relevant. Church should be relevant. I like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Can we be a church? Please. Not a pastor. I can only control me. I'm begging you to control you. Can we be a church that when we deliver the message of Jesus Christ, that it makes sense to them? Because I can do this. I'm, look, I've been teaching the Bible for 20 years. I can get up here and make this complicated book even more complicated to you. It's really easy because it's complicated. You know what's really hard? It's to make it sound simple and relevant. And so I, I default to the easy, but I work for the hard. Why? So that you can receive it in a way that it matters to you relevance matters. You realize this. There are churches and pastors who celebrate the fact that they can be complicated and holy and scripture driven so much that makes people go, it sounded good, but I don't really know what he said. What do you want to eat at Denny's? I checked off my religion. Come on, can we be real? I checked off my religious box. I got confused enough to feel like I'm holy. So I'm going to go. And it doesn't help. A relevant church means this, doing church that makes sense to everyone. So you need to know, on the weekend, guess what I do? I do church that makes sense to everyone. I'm not trying to impress you. If you want me to get real spiritual and theological with you, I'll debate you all day long. Actually, I won't. I'll give you to Pastor Jason. But I'll just, I'll laugh at you and then I'll go play golf. But I'm not, I'm not in the mood. Time is too, too precious. People who don't know Jesus matter too much. You have lost sight of looking at someone who doesn't know God. You, you have to look at them and you have to see them that they're lost and Jesus came to find them. And the only bridge that might exist in their life is you not being a religious zealot. And connecting them. If it sounds passionate, it's because I am. 
Because you've never... You haven't been a part of a church that ran people out in the name of God. So we, we teach in a way that's relevant. We have music in a way that's relevant. We have people. Can we be people who are relevant? You Just so you know, like there's no pre-requirement for you to be at church to call everybody brother and sister and speak with King James with TH at the end of everything. Y'all realize that, right? Like when somebody asks you how you're doing, you know what the most unrelevant thing to say in the world? Great. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Like, you're a robot. And they know you're not good. Like, that's the funny thing. They know you're not good. They're asking you how you are because they know it's not good. So we're asking you not to tell me your fake churchy answer. We're asking you because I want to know where you really are so I know how to really help you. Relevant, relevant. I want to be relevant. So I'm committed to helping people. We provide, I like to say it like this. We provide shallow and deep ends of the pool. You want to get deep, there's a deep end of the pool in this church. It's for the very small amount of people who actually enjoy that end. But it's there. But I like the pool. Y'all ever take the kids to the pool where they have like the zero entry? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like it's not a big jump. It's just a zero. You walk in, your toes are in it. And then you get a little bit more and your feet are in it. And what's cool is all the babies are playing. And, but then other kids are playing. Teenagers are running around throwing balls at little babies in the ground. You're like, stop. It's my kid. And so you're just like, you know, and you just run around and you're just sitting there. You know what's really cool when you're an adult? I didn't know this. You get the, the, the uh, you pull up the chair into the water. It's like half in the water. You're half in the water. You're half out of the water. The sun's hitting you. So you, you can control the temperature. I'm giving y'all the best way to relax, y'all. Y'all got to get in that pool. And you know, and, but, but there's some people in the world where they're like, no, it's got to be all deep. It's got to be all deep. You need to go deep in the world. You got to be deep. We got to be deep in the deep. And we're with the deep people. We're the deep. We got to go deep because we're deep. I don't know if you're going to be deep. I got to be deep. So you're deep. We got to be deep together. You be deep people with deepcharge.com. Like we be deep. And I'm not saying deep is bad, but I'm just saying, guess what we do on the weekend? We shallow. And that ain't a negative thing. Don't come at me. Don't at me, and don't come at me after service. We need to be deep. You know what the most deep thing in the world is to do? Help somebody move from death to life. That's deep. Now, now we Bible study. We theological study. We got faith steps going on right now. You know what that, that class, all that class does? Literally, and you should sign up. You like D? Go hang out with Pastor Jason for five minutes. <laughs> Y'all get deep as want, deep as you want. He's a scuba diver in the Bible. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. But on the weekend, guess what? Baby Christians are walking in here, and the most irresponsible thing for me as a pastor to do is to toss a baby in the deep end. Number three, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm behind on my time. I'm a hurry. All right, church should be enjoyable. Everybody say enjoyable. Psalm chapter 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know what he just said? I was, he did not say I was sad when they said unto me. Did y'all grow up in the family where they said we're going to church and you were like, oh, man. Oh, man. Best, best, best. 
uh, compliment I get as a pastor of a church is when the parents come and say, my son would not let us not come to church today. It's my favorite thing because I'm like, that's so good. Uh, because there's nothing holy about creating a worship experience that makes you miserable. And isn't it true? There are some churches who feel like, did you, fig- did you guys get in a room and like workshop how to drive people crazy? It, doesn't it seem like it? You're like, let's make the services super, super long. Music that's really, really wild. Let's add some crazy people running. Let's get the pastor up there and start talking. Let's, let's do a series in Revelation about the horns and the beasts and the revelation and the, the scroll. And the, like, let's just, let's talk about the blood moons. Let's do it, man. Let's jump. And then let's make sure everybody's really mean. And make sure we scream at your kids on the way out. God bless you. And then you wonder why nobody comes back. It should be enjoyable. I, I say it like this. We want to entertain you. And people look at that like, church shouldn't be entertaining, Pastor. You didn't, I don't, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't feel good. Have you ever read the definition of entertain? Anybody? Recently? You want to read it to you? This is the definition of entertain. To keep one's attention. I don't know about you, but I got really good at counting the ceiling tiles inside a church. I said this before, like where I, I like try to figure out if that chandelier dropped, how many people would hit. I want to keep your attention, I promise you, because I believe that what I'm talking about is the most important thing you'll ever hear. Yeah, yeah, we want to entertain you. Uh, the people say, that's just an entertainment church. Yep. It's true. You got us. (laughs) We want to create Romans 2 experiences, the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. I was glad. Number four, church should be accepting. Mark chapter 2 says, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who needs a doctor. Hello. This is sick, and I've come to call righteous. I haven't called the righteous. They're already righteous. I call the sinners. I'm about that sinner. And we should create experiences where anyone, everybody say anyone. anyone. That means, you know what that means in Greek? Anyone. That means everyone who, who, who wants to come and experience and be a part of our family, they can come and experience and be a part of our family. I want you to do this for me. You don't have to close your eyes or do anything weird. Just picture the most hated person in your life. I get awkward in here. Pastor, I don't hate anybody. Don't be lying. Yes, you do. Picture the person you can't stand. Picture the person you hate. Picture that person. Picture, 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 picture. Person that betrayed you. Picture that person who put, went, put you on blast. Come on, put your picture, 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 picture. Hurt you, offended you, betrayed you. Come on, picture, picture, picture. Get them in your mind. 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 That's the people Jesus was having dinner with. The tax collectors were the worst. They were their Jewish counterparts betraying their own for financial gain. They were spies who were getting blessed for it, basically. And Jesus said, yeah, 
they need me, so I'm here for them. And we need to be a church that's not here for just your friends and your social club and the people you like. We be people we don't like. Last one's this, and I'm done. Church should be powerful. I will say, like, if, if there's any one of these steps that I think is real important for us in, in a unique way would be this one. Um, and, and, and I say it in a, in a way that, that hopefully doesn't sound odd. Um, but we are a Holy Spirit-filled church. I just want to be clear about that. We believe that he's still alive and active. And he, he lives in people and he dwells in me and, and you and he could, he's powerful. I like First Corinthians, he says, and God raised the Lord and will also raise up, raise us up by his, his power. But the church should have authentic movements of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I know like when I say Holy Spirit, depending on the church you come from, that could mean anything. A lot of different things. And the expression of the Holy Spirit, it could mean, you know, people running the aisles. It could mean speaking in tongues. It could mean, you know, fire falling down from heaven. It could mean craziness that's going on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a true, genuine expression of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not downplaying those movements. I'm not saying that, I don't, I don't have an opinion about it. That, that's, that's not the point. The point is, is that I don't want to manufacture a movement of the Holy Spirit. I want to create a place for the movement of the Holy Spirit. And he might not move the same way he did when I grew up. Now, I grew up in a, in a hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church. I grew up in those churches. I, I don't just saying that. That gave me a love for the gospel and a love for the, for the Holy Spirit and a love for Jesus and a love for what I believe could be the expression of the Holy Spirit. But hear me now. Like, that's not going to be forced into a place where I, because of my preference. But I do want to leave a space for Jesus to come and, and the Holy Spirit to come and come and like, Holy Spirit, you come in and you do what you can do. And I'm, I'm not going to put a box on you and I'm not going to put a, a barrier around you and I'm not going to not talk about you and I'm not going to exp express. He's a, he's, a, he's a person and he's alive and he's active and I want to make sure that I'm a holy. Oh, by the way, you are a peculiar people if you're a Christian. I just want to remind you. I just, I just, I just, I got to do it because it's just in me. I just want to remind you that you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Even if you didn't come from that, you're like, I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. And I don't know if I believe in that methodology. And I don't know if I believe in that expression. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying you should be always open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. You should just always be open to it. And so like, don't come in here with a preconceived notion that like, that's not real. Come in with a preconceived notion. God, I don't know what's real, but I know I'm open. God, I know, I'm, I know I'm ready. God, I know that I'm not perfect and I know that you can work through me and that Holy Spirit, you believe and you are here and you are with us and I'm not gonna do it in a way that caused, here's the issue that I have with people that come in with like a preconceived notion with the Holy Spirit is that you brought in your Holy Spiritness, and the moment people start to look at you and not God, I'm gonna snatch you up. So, so when we come in and we worship and you're the only one going, you're saying, yeah, at the time when nobody says yeah, Right? Or you're amening a little too much. Y'all know I'm talking about that person? Like that wasn't any, he just said the, and you said amen. Like that ain't, in the, that ain't an amen moment. You're just trying to get people to look at you. Y'all real what I'm saying? Y'all here, like you're dancing in the spirit, but you like crazy and moving over tables and chairs and people are looking at you instead of God and focusing on him. That's wrong. 
That's a, that's a forced expression of the Holy Spirit. I want, I, but I do want to come in here going, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? Move in a way that you didn't before. And be ready for what God's going to do. So, so I just, I, as, I, as I wrap up today, life-giving experience. Life-giving experience. My hope would be that you would help us create that life-giving experience so that people can what? Can do the first step. Can do first step. Ready? To know God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, and I thank you that today you have um, a unique space and a unique place to teach us what's really important in our lives. And I pray that even now as we we wrap up, the weekend would be so intentional, more intentional, more um, life-giving, more life-changing, more Holy Spirit-filled, more accepting, more powerful, more authentic, that would be more relevant, that would be more enjoyable. God, I pray that you would speak to us and work through us in ways that we don't even know and recognize in the future. Help us to do that. 